Welcome to On Deck. Tonight, we discuss college recruiting at the NCAA Division III level and NAIA level. High school-age club teams and youth-level coaches are constantly asked or questioned as to how and why players are seen and chosen by colleges. Questions such, are, such as what are the intangibles a player needs to have in order to be offered a coveted roster spot on a college team. Our guest tonight, John Michael Osley, the full-time assistant coach for the Cornell College baseball team, which is located in Mount Vernon, Iowa. He's going to help us shed some light on this topic. Hey, John Michael, how are you doing? I'm good, Mo. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on to the show, taking some of your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, let, let's dive in, because I know this is a, it's a lengthy topic. Um, can you tell us a little bit first about your background and your current role with the Cornell College baseball team? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Colorado. Um, I obviously attended high school out there and uh, didn't really have much knowledge of the recruiting process, uh, which I, I'm sure a lot of, you know, which is why we're doing this podcast episode is because a lot of kids feel the same way in, in the high school sphere. You know, how do I get recruited and all that? So um, I was lucky enough to have a couple schools find me and reach out to me and, and we'll dive into kind of how that works later. But uh, yeah, I ended up out here at Cornell. Uh, I attended school here for, I graduated in 2020. And then right after I graduated, uh, I got hired on as the full-time assistant baseball coach. So though I'm going into my second year uh, with them. And uh, I just feel very, very blessed to still be here and to um, continue to help make this program great. Uh, and I've learned so much about myself and about um, just the college baseball sphere, especially the NCAA Division Three level while I've been here. So, yeah. That great lead-in because I, I wanted to discuss that a little bit. There seems to be a misunderstanding of baseball at the D3 and the NAIA type of levels. Could you tell us a little bit about what type of competition we would expect to see at the D3 level, uh, especially, yeah. especially like in the Midwest Conference where you're coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'll be totally honest. I had that a preconceived notion in high school that um, like D3 and NAIA were not competitive and they were not what you wanted to go play. You know, it was only D1 or D2 and that was how you were going to get a competitive baseball experience. And, and I was very, very wrong. So I'll just state that out front. Um, Division three and, and NAI baseball is very, very competitive. Um, lots of really great players. And I think the only difference is that, you know, D three from an NCAA standpoint is primarily academic focused. Um, you know, most of the schools are, high academic schools where the purpose is to go and, and get a degree in a field that you want to be successful in in your career. Um, and so athletics is a supplement to that academic experience, but it, it is uh, a legitimate competition level because, you know, we play 40 varsity games uh, at our school at Cornell. We play around 30 junior varsity games. And, you know, you're playing for a conference championship. You're playing for then NCAA regional championship, super regional, and then World Series. So it's the same structure as Division One. You're just playing less games. Uh, and that's because of it's more of the academic focus. So, you know, less time on the field, technically. Uh, but, yeah, when I played, I mean, the <laughs> those games are, are, were some of the most competitive games I ever played in my life. 
And, you know, everybody that's playing in those games and at the Division Three level and NAI, um, obviously I'm just speaking from my experience, but uh, are there to win and are playing the game because they love it, you know, which is a little bit different than like the club ball scene, right, at a, at a Division One school. You know, that's kind of more of a uh, let's play baseball because we like it, because it's fun. You know, this is we are training seriously. We have practice plans. We have a goal in mind. We have pillars for our program. Um, you know, it's my full-time job. So, you know, if you're going to a division three institution, you'll have multiple full-time coaches that that is how they make a living is to provide an awesome baseball experience and to, you know, while doing so win some ball games. Uh, And that's excellent. Uh, just to clarify for listeners, uh, that colleges do actually uh, have club baseball teams in which, um, and it depends on the school, right? A lot of them will follow a JUCO or play other universities with club teams. Major universities have club teams. I didn't want our listeners to get uh, confused between, you know, their club teams in town and organizations um, and the university club teams. So, I, yeah. and I know that, you know, again, most major universities have those club teams, but like you said, they're not structured. They're not organized. They don't have coaches necessarily or they've got student volunteers you know running those right. things right exactly yeah big big schools like university of iowa and, and big d ones like that will do will do club programs absolutely so you know i'm gonna piggyback a little bit on what you're or actually ask a follow-up question to what you were saying about the um the structure and the programs for d3 i, I tend to tell people that the speed of the game follows the pitching all right so like you'll you'll see a lot of 90 plus guys at the d1 level and um, probably a lot of 87 or 86 plus guys at the D2 level. What t- and I know everybody's got a stud, right? That, that's true of everything. So mm-hmm. in a, in a three game series, what can you say would, would be seen in terms of speeds, um, from, from pitchers? Yeah. Uh, as far as speeds, I mean, usually low to mid eighties. And when I'd say that I probably 83 to 86 is usually what you're seeing. Uh, if you're getting a starting pitcher, cause if you're getting, you know, a starting pitcher, that is the one of the team's top pitchers. Uh, if you're, if you have a starter, a guy that can, um, go out there and give you multiple innings. So that is something I want to comment on with the D three level is, you know, while the velocity may not be as high, as you know d2 and d1 on an average a big thing about d3 is the ability to pitch Um, because you're getting guys from all over the country that maybe have not um had the opportunity to be you know recruited by d1s or d2s because of size or because of velocity um but they they're they're good pitchers. You know, they know how to change speeds. They know how to work counts. They know how to get hitters off balance. Um, they're cerebral, right? You know, we talk about the academic school a lot of the time, you know, a lot of the players coming here have, um, they're, they're smart, smart kids. And so, you know, they, they take that onto the field with them. So, you know, if you're doing a three game series, yeah, you might have that stud that's throwing 87, 88 with a, a wipeout slider, you'll get that guy at the D3 level. Uh, but the guys following up behind him might be a little bit less in below, but they have their own strengths as well. I mean, in the conference tournament, my junior year, um, we played University of Chicago, and we were getting geared up for a lefty that they had that was throwing 88 to 90 miles an hour 
you know, filthy stuff. And uh, we ended up getting a, a right-hander throwing 77. And uh, he, he shut us down. We didn't score a run that game. For nine innings, we lost that game two to nothing. And um, all he did was he just kept us off balance. We had a lot of weak fly balls, pop-ups, uh, weak ground outs, strikeouts. We just we couldn't get a barrel on the baseball. And so um, that's something I think that's really cool about the D3 level is there's not really a benchmark for how hard guys need to throw. Um, obviously, you know, when you have more velo, you have better opportunity to get outs sometimes, um, just more options in your arsenal. But we have lots of guys that don't have high velo that are phenomenal pitchers for us. Uh, and I know that that's true among lots of other schools uh, in D3 and then also in the Midwest Conference. That's great. No, great to hear. I, I always tell my kids that you can, you know, if you're throwing 95, you might get away with a mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yep. if you're not, then what? Uh, always hit your spot. So that's that's great. All right. So can you tell us about your current role with Cornell College team? What uh, what exactly you're doing? And, and obviously, I know that you're recruiting. So obviously, mm-hmm. I want to highlight there. So yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I have I have lots of different responsibilities um, within the program. I would say my two main ones are recruitment and retention. Uh, you know, that's that's the main responsibilities if we were to sum it up. So recruitment, what that falls under is um, finding new players. You know, finding guys that fit our program, that fit that want to attend Cornell College with the one course at a time, uh, that want to be out here in in Mount Vernon, Iowa, in this kind of more rural environment. Um, So yeah, for me that there's lots of different ways of going about that. Uh, You know, there's attending showcases, there's looking at online profiles, there's going to high school games, you know, so so travel is a part of my job. Um, But yeah, any kind of recruiting, just trying to find new players to, to enter our program. And then as far as retention goes, you know, that is how I look at it is providing an awesome current experience for our players that are on our team, you know, making sure that they're getting something out of it uh, and that they feel connected and that they feel like this is a valuable thing that they're participating in in their lives because it's completely voluntary. Um, You know, at the Division three level, we don't have athletic scholarships. So nobody is bound by contract to to stay and play baseball for us. Uh, everybody that is on our team is is choosing to do so, is choosing to do those lifting sessions three times a week and conditioning session once a week and mobility session once a week and practices six times a week and, and games. You know, that, that's an active choice. So for me, <clears throat> I really focus on relationships Uh, I really try to get to know my players on a personal level and just see what interests them, see how they tick, see how, what they like about the game of baseball, why they're here, uh, and then do anything that I can to help that experience, uh, whether that's advice about, you know, their swing or them fielding a ground ball or advice about, you know, they're having issues with a friend or they're struggling in a class, you know, so that's where I kind of focus regarding the retention area is just on 
establishing relationships and, and helping these wonderful young men in, in any possible way that I can. So, so you're mentoring kids, basically going through the process that, that you went through, or at least the experiences that you went through. Absolutely. That's yep. Important. That's a great word. So, so I have a great lead into the next question because I was going to ask uh, if you could tell us a little bit about your recruiting experience, uh, going through it as a player and how you're using that experience right now when speaking to prospective student athletes. Yeah, definitely. So uh, my recruiting experience, just to backtrack into high school, was I was small. Um, I was not super fast. <laughs> um, I didn't have a lot of the tools necessarily that you would kind of say uh, when, when looking. And, you know, I, I was a good defender. Um, I was a good contact guy. You know, I definitely had some skill and some talent, but I, I wasn't a standout by any means. You know, I wasn't the guy that you were going to pick out of the showcase and be like, oh, yeah, that guy's, you know, super high, high level next tier kind of player. So, um, yeah, I, I the only way that I really got recruited, I had no knowledge about it. My parents had no knowledge about it. I didn't really get any information from club coaches or high my high school coach actually told me I'd never played college baseball. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, and I, and wow. I say that cause I hope that if there's somebody out there listening to this, you know, hopefully, um, a, a young player in high school and somebody has told you that, that that's just not true. You, you can find a way. Uh, if you have a will, if you have a desire to improve and, and to continue to work on your game, you can absolutely find a place to play. Um, and you just have to be open. Great, great right? place for that. You just have to be open to where you where you can go. You can't absolutely sit back and say, "I I want to be on the beach in California or the beach in Florida." <laughs> and yeah. so these are the only schools yeah. I'm considering. You get to kind of choose. I did not. I was not even considering the Midwest. So what happened for me is through my club program, they kind of created like an online profile for us, um, and I had one school reach out to me on that online profile. And I didn't do anything active on my end. Uh, that school just reached out to me, which is, I think, the, the conception that I had of how it worked, right? It was like, oh, I just play, and then schools will reach out to me if they're interested, right? And um, then how I ended up at Cornell was I was originally planning on going to this school, which was Augustana College in the Quad Cities uh, in, in between you know Illinois and Iowa. And then how I found out about Cornell was kind of the opposite way where I had, my mom had a friend whose husband went to Cornell and played baseball and was like, oh, I heard John Michael's looking to play baseball. You know, let's see, like, we'll see if he likes Cornell. They have a really cool academic system. And so what happened was he actually reached out to Coach Wing on my behalf and um, I had a recruitment video and, and we sent that to, to coach wing and, and he liked it and then invited me to come and visit campus. So, um, if I can kind of sum all that up as a player, if I could have done anything differently, which I don't want to, cause I'm so happy that I ended up where I ended up and it all worked out. But if I was doing it again or had a son that was doing it, um, I would just say to, to be active, you know, it, one, I think a recruiting video is the best way that you can possibly go um, just to start. And that can be a two minute video that just shows you taking a few swings. It just shows you um, fielding ground fielding at your position. You know, if you're an outfielder, making a couple throws to bases, tracking a couple fly balls. If you're an infielder, taking some ground balls and throwing them across the infield. Uh, if you're a pitcher, 
a view from behind the plate and then a view from the side angle. Uh, but if you can just have that video of your skill set, then don't be afraid to just just send coaches emails. <laughs> just send them emails. Look up their email on the website and send them an email. And if you're interested in that school or that program, and they you know like your video, then that can that can start the whole recruiting process. You know, don't be afraid to get rejected. Right? If they don't like it, then they don't like it, and that's okay. Um, but that's something I wish I would have done more in high school now knowing what I know now as a college recruiter because I look at a lot of video I look at a lot of online profiles um, because that's how you do it in the Midwest at least when the weather's cold and nobody's playing baseball you're, you're looking at online videos so um, that would be a big recommendation that I have so so to touch upon that um, the people that are out there uh, you know investing a good deal of money with the yep. with the music with the with the you know really cool transitions and and so forth is it necessary i mean you talk about a two minute video you guys must look at thousands of videos it, do, yeah. do we need you need it to be vanilla you need it i mean do you, is all that stuff really necessary or what are you guys looking at and and how long does it take you before you're starting a video and stopping a video and saying yeah, moving on? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, we don't need the extra fluff. We just don't. Um, you know, the, the music, the transitions, the the you know, all that doesn't doesn't isn't very helpful necessarily to us. Uh, as college coaches, we're just trying to see the skill set. That's all we care about. So if you can have a clear video of the skill set that's that's all that matters you know because because some videos are like on an iphone behind the fence you know you can't right. really see very much so you can do it on an iphone you don't need a professional camera you don't need a professional um you know videographer you don't need a professional editor I, i'm telling you you just put a flash up there with like your gpa your height, weight, you know, your 60 time, like just some basic information at the beginning and then just videotape your skill set. That, that is literally it. And, um, and I have a 14, us, oh, the only time that, yeah, sorry, just to finish, the only time that we stop looking at a video is if, you know, maybe we see like, if you're showing us like 20 swings, that's too many. Um, we can tell within the first five swings where your skill set is at and how it might play at our level. Um, same thing with ground balls. You know, if you take one, one, two routines, two forehands, two backhands, a slow roller, that's perfect. If you do three throws to bases and track two balls in the outfield, we can tell, right? So, and that's just college coaches have been around the game for a long time, usually. Um, playing it and then coaching it, and even me, who's a young coach, you know, I've been around the game enough to know what can compete at our level and, and what cannot. So, um, yeah, simple is better. That's my number one advice. Simple is better uh, in order to, to just showcase yourself. And, and one more question with that, uh, and in my full transparency, I have a freshman, right? So in a few years, I'll be putting together, hopefully, his skill set video, uh, the five best swings I can possibly record five, you know, five continuous swings, 10 continuous swings. And at bat, like what are it? 
just so that our audience knows, because I'm sure they're looking for, well, I know that he hit a home run here and I, I've got film on it somewhere. Like, is that what, is that the best situation or what would you say? Yeah. Um, I would say my personal preference uh, when looking at video is I think I like to see continuous swings because uh, then it's, I know that I'm not going to always get your best swing. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely, definitely, if you have to take multiple videos, that's fine in order to get some good swings in there. That's, you can do that. But I, I prefer continuous swings because then I can see the consistency, right? Is there consistency among the swing versus if I see a swing and then it's chopped up and it goes to a net to another swing, I'm like, okay, well, what about all the swings in between? You know, I kind of start to think that. So for college coaches, I, I think you don't want to leave a lot of room for doubt and you don't want to try to trick them, right? In the idea that if you want it to be a genuine interest in you, right? You don't want it to be like, a, oh, I'm going to put the, you know, the best possible compilation video out there so that maybe I'll get an offer, which I understand how that's tempting. But my advice is to just put yourself out there. <laughs> you have the skill set that you have and you can continue to improve upon that skill set. Um, but when you do that video, put that out there and then just see, see who feels like you'd be a good fit, you know, mm -hmm. see who feels like that would fit within your program. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, a couple other recommendations with videos is you can, you can do multiple videos, right? You can have one that's like a skill set based video. That's just you on a practice field. And then you can have an in-game video. And in that in-game video, put all your highlights, you know, put you hitting the home run, put you hitting the double, put your, you know, do that kind of stuff so that we can see your success in game, right? You know, if, if we know that a kid has hit a home run, that's a good indicator to us that he has some, some good power. Um, you know, for me, I never hit a home run in my entire career in high school, in college, all that. So um, when I see a kid hit a home run in high school, I'm like, yeah, okay. That, that shows that he has some, some power potential, right? Um, you know, or if you post a game where you have a really good game and you go three for three with two line drive singles up the middle and a double to the gap, post that, you know, show, show your, show that to them, um, to college coaches. And then also you can always update your video, you know, especially if you're doing it on an iPhone and you're just doing it at a practice session. If you want to update it six months later or something, do that. Right. Um, if you feel like you've improved in a certain area, take another video and then just, you know, uh, there's, there's free video editing softwares. So that's a big thing. Um, you can look it up on YouTube, how to use iMovie and put it together. There's apps on your phone that you can use easy video editing. Um, like I said, it doesn't have to be super professional. It just has to be, the video has to be clear. So it's not grainy and we can see it. And then just the, uh, yeah, the skill set. But I would recommend if you want to update it, update it and put in your highlights from games. Right. No, and I, I appreciate that because it's it's something that I think uh, our listeners will benefit from from hearing, um, and their their investment can be more into the content of the video versus uh, you know snazzy, right? And it's snazzy. So, all right. Um, so that basically leads into the next question. Uh, there's there's all these huge tournaments, right? Showcases. Um, where, where do you actually find your athletes? Is it, is it word of mouth? Is it, uh, 
you know, bird dog, bird dog coaches that you have out there that you trust? Is it like, what is, how do you find players at the college level? Yeah. Um, so a big thing for us is to have multiple avenues of finding players uh, because we, we want to give ourselves the, the most amount of options in order to be able to find players who we feel can fit our program. And especially at the D3 level, you know, a lot of the time you're, you're trying to find those guys that are flying under the radar a little bit, you know, cause at, at the D3 level, it's, it's, it's not as easy to get a guy that is throwing 88 in high school, <laughs> you know, cause that, that kid one probably has big dreams and goals like all of us did, but maybe the potential to actually, you know, achieve those. And so might not look, um, and so, you know, we're looking, we're a developmental based program, at least Cornell College is. So for us, we're looking for guys that uh, we feel have a solid foundation that we can get here and develop those tools into being really, really high quality players for us. That's usually how we do it. So as far as the different avenues, um, I personally like watching games the best. Um, so the PBR showcases are good. I know that they're expensive, but what I like about them is that you get the showcase format. So you get to see the skills of the players, you know, just the, the basic swings, throwing to bases 60 times, you know, the basic athletic skills. And, but then you also get the in-game experience, right? They usually play games. And, um, and then you get an online video and profile, right? So you kind of get a three in one. So I know that those are expensive, but as a coach, uh, that's recruiting, those are valuable. Cause I get to see, you know, three different aspects. I get to see you in person, your skill set. Then I get to see you play in a game. And then I get to see if I would need to go back and look, I can look at your online video, right. And, and how you perform that day. So, but if you're looking for less expensive options, I think the best way to go about it is to make that video that we talked about, send it to a coach. And then, you know, if they're interested, send them your schedule, you know, and say, Hey, like, especially if you're local or around, I know, uh, obviously Mo, your team's in Nevada, but we're, we're working on that <laughs> exposure piece, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I would say to then send the schedule because I think a lot of coaches like going and watching games because we get to see how a player plays, you know, it can be different from just a skills video and that kind of stuff. So yeah, we get it from lots of different options. We get it from online profiles and, and emails that just get sent to us. Uh, we get it from showcases. We get it from high school games and uh, we get it from club ball tournaments. So uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm just a big advocate of the, the online video process just because it's a way to save money, you know, while still getting yourself exposure and direct exposure to the coach. Right. And one more follow-up question to that. Um, would it, does it work best when you know who you're going to see? I think a lot of people go out and you have the, those guys that are throwing 78 you know, to 82. And they're not going to sit back and be in that 90th percentile metric-wise uh, for, you know, for pitchers or for kids that don't cross the diamond or so forth. How or, you know, do they stand out to you? And more importantly, 
you know, how are they gonna, how do they get contacted? So many kids go to a showcase and don't get contacted. They just end up with their metric sheet and they never hear from a college coach. They never hear from anybody in terms of feedback. So would it be best to find out where that college coach is going to attend or which showcases he's going to attend, send your video and then go? Or is it, you know, are people really going to find the needle in the haystack? I know nobody, nobody knows I'm coming. I show up, I am average, you know, for the most part. And then why didn't I get a phone call? I think that's a, that's a lot of the mystery. And I think a lot of the concern in terms of the expenditure uh, right. to travel, to travel somewhere, spend the weekend in a hotel, the food, plus the, you know, the fee for the showcase. Mm-hmm. And then you never hear a word. Right. Um, I will. So yeah, to, to, to validate that most colleges are right at a showcase are going to notice those highly athletic 90th percentile guys. Okay. Um, so if you're not in that group, which I will raise my hand that I was not either, um, Neither was I, that, just so we know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, nobody there. here was in the 90th percentile <laughs> for the athletic prowess, but we got two former college baseball players. So, um, you know, that being said, that is something to take into consideration. I think that if I'm just talking from personal experience, I am intentionally going and looking for those needle in a haystack guys. That is me. And I think there are other coaches that are trying to do that as well. So I, I completely understand that um, it's frustrating to go and to spend the money and to then never get contacted by a college coach. Uh, and that, that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. So my recommendation is to, like I said, I think the, the best route is to personally contact the coach. Just reach out, just personally contact. And then, you know, if you start to, let's say, for example, you send the video or you reach out with an email and, you know, we get lots of emails where guys, players are kind of describing themselves. You know, they're like, well, here are my intangible qualities. You know, here are the things that I do well on the baseball field here. You know, so they kind of give a little bit of a background as to who they are as well as the skills video. And so, you know, in that initial reach out, if a college coach finds that that is a kid that feels like he would be a good fit, right? based on the wording of the email, based upon the skills video, then, then a relationship is established. Okay. And so then what can happen there is, like I said, you can talk about game schedules. You can talk about, um, coming out to visit. You can talk about all those things, but I think that that is a much more effective way than the showcase. Now, like I said, I like showcases personally as a coach, cause I'm trying to find needle in a haystack kids, but as far as a cost versus benefit model, I think that personally reaching out to the coach is the best thing you can do. Uh, and I'll give a little tip. Please, in your emails, if you send a coach, don't say, what's up, coach? Because <laughs> that is kind of an immediate, like, I don't really want to read this email. You know, um, and that's not like, I'm not saying that those kids are disrespectful or anything, but it comes across as, very casual versus, you know, like, hi coach, my name is, you know, you kind of want a little bit more of a, 
a formal introduction to yourself because you don't, it's just, it's that professional development piece uh, <laughs> behind things. So, uh, but yeah, so that would be my, my recommendation is to, to contact, you know, don't be afraid to, to reach out and see if there's any interest. Can I, can I also add a tidbit about, uh, you probably don't, you guys probably can re read and realize when somebody just copies and pastes emails and doesn't do the research on your school and it's just basically blanketing uh, yes. college coaches. I, I'm sure that's a complete turn off to you guys. Mm -hmm. It so. is. Uh, yeah, we get those those mass emails that are you can absolutely tell that it was sent to potentially hundreds of schools or something like that. So, um, yeah. And, and that's a recommendation too. like, you know, do some research, right? See where what region, you know, you might want to go to what um, number of you know, what the student population is, what the, the um, actual town location is, what degrees do they offer, you know, what's their baseball program like, you know, doing that research is, is, I think, a very valuable thing, because then if you do find a school that you like, then you can personalize that email. And so I get personalized emails, and those are very refreshing and very enjoyable to explore, because I know that that player has a genuine interest in Cornell College, which makes me want to have a genuine interest in, in finding out more about the player. Right. And as I was searching for a school for uh, my team to visit, because we were heading out in that direction last summer, uh, you know, I sent an email to you guys, and it, it was based upon the uh, uniqueness of your academic schedule, you know, your class schedule. And I was like, oh, this is, I would like to see this. I'd like to know more about this. And actually, that's how... Uh, uh, our relationship with the program started, which has been, which is great at this point. And I, I, don't, I can't imagine how anybody could contact you and not mention <laughs> the unique class schedule that you have. So, right. so, and, and I'm not going to tell anybody, so I want them to go look you up. <laughs> <laughs> they got to go, they got to get the traffic through our website, right? They get <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, um, all right. So in asking the question, so what stands out? You're out there looking for a needle in a haystack. What are the one or two things that, that are truly going to make a player stand out when he is one of 200, you know, big yeah. showcase like that, and he is, he's not that 90th percentile guy and so forth? What's going to – one or two things. Um, paying, paying attention, hustle, and effort. Uh, you know, I cannot, I cannot tell you how many guys that I go to a showcase and I see walk in front of college coaches. I mean, so many, like I, I, I can't even believe it just, or, or the very light jog. That's pretty much a walk, uh, you know, and that's, it's just very unintentional lackadaisical and and unfocused which is hard you know because some of those kids are very talented players and you know for me I have this big struggle where I'm like oh well off of his physical ability I'd like to recruit him but off of his effort I don't know if I want to recruit him right so you know, if you're one of those guys that maybe doesn't have as much of a, of, of a physical presence in whatever that is, speed, power, athleticism, bust your butt, 
like just run everywhere, sprint everywhere, you know, give your best effort, leave everything out there. And I, and I'm telling you with the way that it is nowadays, you will stand out. If you give extreme effort and hustle and you pay attention and you, you give your best, you put your best foot forward that day, that, that is going to stand out in one way or another. And then, you know, obviously your physical skills come into it as well, but there are, there are players that I recruit that I know need much more work on their physical skill set, but that have the mentality and have that, that drive to compete and to get better and to um, just hustle that I actively recruit. <laughs> because I know that those those players are going to make our program better. You know, even if it takes them two or three years to get into the varsity lineup, um, you know, they, their attitude is going to support our program and support what we're trying to do. And they're going to inspire their teammates to higher standards of behavior. So that's what I mean, like, just just go for it. Give it everything you got, <laughs> and coaches will notice that. Right. And and I'm assuming what you're what you're discussing is is a window to their work ethic, uh, because I I constantly tell kids, you know, you're gonna play like you practice, and that is you know I I, I would imagine that's one of the reasons why you're not looking at them. You see that, and if that's what they're doing in a game in front of a bunch of college coaches, you can only begin to wonder what their what their work ethic might look like. Right, and and, and it's. And so work ethic is, is incredibly important. Having, you know, we want players that are going to be down at the cage on their own. They're going to be responsible for their own growth. They're going to be, you know, asking questions about nutrition and, and um, how much weight to put on the bar. You know, all of those things are super important. But it's, it's just kind of like those intangibles. So work ethic plays into it. Work ethic is an intangible. But... Yeah, communication as well. You know, I love players at showcases that, right, are, are encouraging the other players there. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not even on the same team. They're, they don't even know half of these other players, and they're encouraging them. And they're talking, you know, there's this catcher that um, I was recruiting, and I was just watching him play. And, and he had a good, solid skill set, but he was he was talking to his pitcher. He was encouraging him. He was blocking, you know, putting his body on the line for every single ball. He was running. He ran out infield pop-ups as hard as he possibly could. Um, you know, it's just those little things of, of turning it into that gear, that next gear, that that's what makes you stand out. You know, because if you just do what everybody else does – you're going to get lost in the shuffle. And I, I know it's a, it's a reality for lots of players where showcases are intimidating. You know, they're very kind of scary places to be sometimes because you're getting evaluated and there you thought you're, there's so much pressure to get recruited, right? You paid all this money. You are, are wanting to play college baseball so badly you want nothing more than to leave that day with a college coach talking to you, whether that's in person or reaching out to you in the next couple of days. So there's a lot riding on it internally. And I completely understand that. And so it's hard, you know, sometimes you can kind of get in your head a little bit where you're like, oh, okay, 
you're nervous. So you don't give your best effort. Um, and so all I can say is no college coach is going to be disappointed with you or maybe not none, but the, the good ones right out there are not going to be disappointed with you. If you make a mistake, like giving it your best effort and being aggressive and just like putting everything you have into that play. <laughs> you well, know, I, I, I am a firm, firm proponent of that. And I know lots of good, good college coaches are, is that like, if you make a mistake, giving your best, what are we going to say? We're like, Oh yeah. Like at least you're giving your best effort, yeah. right. Rather than making a mistake, being nervous or being unsure, you know, that's, that's a little different. Yeah. Um, we count so errors because they happen. Into a showcase, <laughs> I say sorry, we, we, we count errors because they happen. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the reality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So if you are going to a showcase and you're choosing to spend that money and, and you know, have your parents drive you and do the hotel, like do the, that whole process, if you're choosing to invest, which again, I think it can be a good investment, you know, you have to make the most out of that. That is my bit, like make the most out of that two to four hours that you're at that showcase. Just, Give it your absolute best, and then whatever happens after that is 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 beyond your control. You know, it, it, it's at the end of the day, it's it's um, it's in the it's in the college coach's hands. And so, um, but then what's also in your control, like I said, is reaching out, right? Continue to reach out, and um, if they don't get back, then then you know they're like, okay, they're they're not interested. We'll move on, right? And and you will you will find the right place. I promise. Could you uh, could you outline the the recruiting process for our listeners that may not know it, and so they know when it actually begins and, and when it really ends? Yeah, sure. Um, so the recruiting process when it starts is pretty much when a relationship is established between the coach and the player. So that comes in lots of different forms. Uh, that can come from the coach reaching out to the player. Uh, that can come from the player reaching out to the coach, and then the coach responding. Um, and, and so that, what that does is that kind of starts, gets the ball rolling. Uh, as soon as that communication line is established, whether that's through email, text message, phone call, there has to be the, the mutual communication between player and coach. Um, so let's say, you know, player, player X, right, is reaches out to me and then I like their video. Um, what I would do is I would, um, respond to them in a text message. So they send me an email and, and in your email that you send, leave your phone number <laughs> and your email and, and all that. And so um, I would then reach out to them via text message. The reason I do that is because I know that a lot of younger uh, people nowadays, you know, pay more attention to their phone than their email. So uh, I will text them and then kind of start a conversation and, you know, usually just say, thank you for sending the video. We're interested. Uh, would you be interested in setting up a time to talk on the phone? Uh, and then usually if there's interest there, which there is because the player reached out to me, then we set up a time to talk on the phone. And that is where my uh, job is to provide information about the school and about the program. So in that, that's usually a 30 minute phone call. And I just explain what the pillars of our program are, what we're about, 
Um, and then I talk also about our school, you know, what the one course at a time looks like, what, um, you know, Mount Vernon, Iowa is like, and I just kind of give as much general information as I possibly can. Uh, and then based upon that, the next step would be to usually fill out, uh, our recruiting questionnaire. So if a player fills out our recruiting questionnaire, they are now officially in our database. I am fairly certain that most, if not all schools have some kind of recruiting database um, and they, and they have you fill out a recruiting questionnaire. And it's the recruit me uh, tab on the website, correct? Yep. Yep. So the recruit tab on the website. And so that's another way uh, you can just fill that out. You know, if you fill that out and put in all your information in the recruit me tab, that, um, that info gets sent directly to my email and to the coach's email. So then that's another way that we find players is if players just fill out our recruit me tab, then we can just go and look at all of their information. Now, again, for us, we prefer to have some video so we can watch you play. You know, if you fill out that recruit me tab and then it's like, well, here are all your kind of information. That's great. But I have no idea what your skill set is like. So I don't know if it can play in our program or if, you know, if it's a good fit necessarily. So um, anyway, then, you know, having the player fill out the recruiting questionnaire to get them in our database. And then usually what happens is there's, there's some communication back and forth uh, as a player. Don't be afraid to reach out to a college coach that you've already been in contact with either. You know, if you have any questions, if you have, you know, if you, if you want to schedule a visit, if you want to do anything and move forward, um, just reach out, you know, they're usually, if they're participating in that, um, communication and in that relationship, uh, that means that there's a developing interest there. There's a mutual interest. So don't be afraid to, to reach out and send, send messages or ask questions. Um, but then, so then usually what happens is I, after that phone call and that initial meeting kind of ask if they're interested in, in visiting campus. Now that is different depending on where I'm recruiting. Obviously, if I'm recruiting somebody within the Midwest, that's a little bit easier to get a campus visit. But uh, there's, there's players that I recruit in Colorado and Arizona and California that um, are, are very, very interested and want to come out and see the school. And so uh, at the Division three level, we are not allowed to fund any visits regarding travel. Um, you would have to get there on your own in some capacity. So, uh, you know, I, I usually recommend visiting if it's at all possible, because to me, the biggest thing that I always tell our recruits is it has to feel good. Yeah, the place that you're going has to feel good. All of the logistics should line up right with what your, what the degree that you're going to get is what the class structure is like. Um, what the baseball program goals and values and attitudes are, where you fit within the program, extracurricular opportunities that exist at the college, financial aid packages, you know, all those logistics are very important. But how it feels is, as I think, the number one thing that I try to tell recruits is like, if you can get on campus and see how it feels, and what I mean by see how it feels is, 
Can you imagine yourself going to this school? Does it feel like you can step foot on campus in a year or two years and feel comfortable and feel like this could be my future home? Right. And no um, mom wants to hear that, right? No mom wants to hear that basically you're trying to find some place that's comfortable that's going to be home for the next year, <laughs> next four yeah. years. Right. So that, that's really uh, what <laughs> I'm, I'm <right>. with. <laughs> well, to all, the, to all the, the moms out there listening, um, you will always be their first home, and um, but you do want them to hopefully find a community at least that they can feel comfortable in and feel like um, like they're thriving and can be successful. So, um, but we'll we'll make sure to do our best to always send them home for breaks if we can. <laughs> yeah. And the other big advice I'm going to throw out is because I made the mistake of calling school home my first break Thanksgiving. I, Somebody asked me what, yeah. when I was leaving, you know, the next day or on Sunday. And I said, well, I'm going home on. And my mother turned to me sternly and said, you are home. And I went, <laughs> I went I'm back to school on Sunday at. <laughs> so, That's so, great. so there's a tidbit. Learn from, learn from my mistake. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got you. Um, yeah. So then kind of how that would continue on, right, is. Um, if you're not able to visit campus, that, that's not the end of the world. Um, you know, we definitely have some players that have come to Cornell sight unseen and have, have liked it and have stayed. Um, but I think that if you're seriously considering a school where it feels like this is a really high potential of you going there, there's very, very high interest I would recommend trying to find a way to visit, um, but it is not essential. It, it is not essential. It's just a recommendation. Uh, if we do get, if we if we are able to um, have that player on campus, then we take care of the whole visit. So usually, what a, a visit constitutes of is at least at Cornell, is you know you would have a coach meeting. You would have a tour of campus. You would have uh, a meeting with an admissions counselor. And then you would usually be, be fed lunch, right? We really tried to treat, um, treat to meals uh, at our cafeteria so we can get you that exposure to what you're going to be eating every day <laughs> if you do come, uh, which is a big part of it. So. Uh, yeah, and then that being said, we really try to spill our guts on the visit and just give all the information possible. And then, you know, we always keep the door open to lines of communication because we understand that so some players are getting recruited by multiple different schools or have interest in, in other schools, maybe even not for baseball. And so, you know, we just say, just, just keep us updated. Right. Keep us updated. Um, you know, we usually say kind of what our recruiting goal is for the year. Uh, and, you know, as, as college coaches, we we obviously prefer earlier commitments just because that is easier for us. Um, and that comes but, with part of part of the part of that has to come with the application process. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the application process um, is a big part of it. So usually after on the visit or before the visit, we will, we will recommend applying to the school. We'll say, Hey, like, you know, recommend apply for the school. If your family's going to apply for FAFSA, get that submitted. And that all usually happens, um, in the fall, I'd say in the fall and the winter time. 
obviously everybody's path is different. So you could find a school much later on and still go through the application process after January 1st or, or whenever. Um, for me, I, I didn't visit Cornell until late February. So that's when I visited. I didn't know where I was going and then ended up committing in, I think, April <laughs> or March. Um, so, you know, but it, it's different. But yes, yeah, so the application process usually will, if that hasn't been started beforehand, before the visit, we will recommend doing that after the visit, you know, because again, that's a big goal for us is on the visit to say, okay, our goal today is that you want to apply to the school. You know, you want to take the time to see if you can be accepted here and, and participate in the academic side of, side of things. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, we, we usually tell players to just, to just keep us updated. And then if we don't hear anything for a while, we as coaches will check in and say, hey, how, how's it going? Kind of where are you at? You know, that, that kind of thing. What, so, constitutes, what constitutes an offer? Like how do, um, you know, if you were recruiting me, uh, you know, and I'm, I, I've visited campus, I'm, I'm applying, but I'm not certain. Maybe it wasn't clear. Like, do you want me? Do I know that you want, how do I know you want me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how do I know yeah, that? That's, that's totally fair. So uh, if the coach doesn't say it, um, which we really try to, uh, we really try to say, hey, um, we'll make some kind of gesture acknowledging that, right? Hey, we, re we want you really bad. We'd love to have you on our program. We, we, we want you on our team. We want you to fill a roster spot. You know, if any of those terminologies, if you hear that, that, that would be constituting of an offer. Um, you are welcome to ask. So people think that it's a very taboo thing to, to, that they can't ask if they have a spot or not. Um, if the, if you've been in contact with the coach and they've helped set up a visit for you and, and you know, done those things, you can you can ask and obviously be respectful about it, but you can ask and say, okay, coach, like I, I'm really interested in this school. If I wanted to come here, would I have a spot on on the on the roster? Um, and then the coach can give you their their honest answer, right? They can say yes, they can say, um, I don't know if they'd say, you know, they, I guess they can say no. Um, they can say uh, we need this certain things to be done or, you know, a lot of the time what they'll say is cause so for us, we don't like to put a timeline on commitments because that's for us, we feel is the player's process and the family's process. We don't want to have to say, Oh, you have to give us your commitment by this date specifically. Now, some programs will do that. So just be aware that some coaches will say yes, but you have to commit to us by X date. Um, and so, but yeah, don't, don't be afraid to ask that question. Don't be afraid to ask that question. Do I have a spot on the roster? Uh, if you haven't heard it during the visit. Right. And that's, and that's a very honorable way to do it because in the end, that's how you retain players. I'm sure by making certain that they really want to be at the school that they're choosing. Um, and great, actually another great lead into my question, uh, What's the deciding factor, or what do you think the deciding factor is for most kids when choosing a school, uh, such as Cornell or other schools in your division or, or schools in general? Like, what, what do you think is the big, you know, like this won me over? Aside from playing time, aside from, you know, the, the role on the team, which I'm sure is valid, 
you know, playing, you know, can I start as a freshman? Can I possibly get, see the field? And that's probably understood, but, but there's that other factor. And that other factor is it's going to be home for four years. Right. Um, yeah, I would say the biggest factor that players have when deciding a school is, is feel. And, and it, that's what I talked about is, is, when they step on campus, how do they feel? Because when you know, you know. <laughs> you kind of step there and you're like, yep, this is it, right? There, there's that feeling. And, and Coach Wing, the, the current head coach at Cornell, uh, he always says that, you know, you're going to get done with this visit. He's talking to the players. He says, you're going to get done with this visit and you're going to get in the car with your parents and you're going to either have a yes or a no. Right. Whereas this is a real possibility for me. So as far as then that final decision past the preliminary of, yes, this is a possibility or no, this isn't a possibility. As far as that final decision goes, I think the logistics play a part of it. Right. The baseball program, the school, all that kind of stuff. But it's kid players usually pick which school excites them the most. <laughs> which school that they feel the most excited about attending. Um, and, you know, obviously there's different uh, philosophies with families and, and student loan debt and finances and, and degrees and all that. But uh, if, if a school can line up with their academic area of interest and it can provide them the baseball experience that they feel they're looking for. Um, and the finances work out, then, then that usually ends up being a home run. Um, so I would say it's, it's the feel part. The, the most is what feels good. Now, and right. Does the process differ with other NCAA divisions? Uh, is there anything that you can kind of shed light on in that route? Because I'm sure a lot of the kids that you're recruiting at the D3 level may also be, being recruited at the NAIA or the uh, D2 or even D1 levels, depending on. Yeah, so I don't have a, as much specific knowledge of those levels just because I haven't worked in, in that sphere uh, yet, at least. And um, I would say the only general information I know about what is different is uh, for Division One schools, the recruiting process usually starts a lot earlier. Um, so for Division Three we are mostly looking at um, seniors and juniors, uh, most, mostly seniors really. Um, and then, but at the division one level, they're looking all the way down to freshmen and sophomores in high school. Uh, so if you're, you know, not that somebody who blossoms late in high school, junior, senior year can't attend a division one, that absolutely happens. But uh, usually they're looking for, I was talking to some of the Iowa, University of Iowa assistant coaches at a recruiting event um, that I was at as well. And they were, I asked them what they were looking for because they were looking at 14 and 15 year old players. And they, they said, well, they look for benchmarks in velocity at you know, about 80 miles an hour. And uh, they look for frame. They look for growth and, and kind of where can a player develop and then also fast twitch muscles um so that's that's a big thing you know you talked about earlier that the speed of the game is depending on the pitching at division one it's 90 plus miles an hour so 
they're looking for those fast twist muscles, whether it's on the mound or in the field or at the plate. Uh, and, and also what's different in the recruiting process, I think, is, is the scholarship aspect. You know, and NAIA and Division Two are included in that as well, that, um, you know, so those schools are able to give scholarships, but they only have a limited amount. And so... So uh, Division One college offer 11 point... They have 11.7 scholarships to offer, and each player that receives a scholarship is supposed to have a minimum of 25% is my understanding okay so yeah that being said sometimes the recruiting classes are, are a little bit bigger than that you know or, or less and so sometimes you might not get that that offer uh sometimes you might so it's just that that plays into the financial aspect of it uh as well and so i would say and the difference is, is uh, i know d1 has a smaller roster size in general we carry a larger roster uh, the reason why is because we have a, a full JV program. You know, we, we run, we're, we're one team, one unit, uh, but we run, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, uh, close to a 30-game junior varsity schedule. So, um, you know, our guys get a lot of playing time, especially our underclassmen uh, in those games. And so, yeah, I guess if I could kind of sum up the differences, I know that, um, you know, the, those higher levels – can can start a lot earlier uh in that recruiting process and um that there's just a little bit difference with the logistics also with the, the binding agreement you know at division three it's not a binding agreement uh it, it's a handshake agreement so we have an ncaa celebratory signing form that we'll, we'll send our commits and uh, they get to you know go through that process of signing and, and doing that but it's not a legally binding contract Whereas I know at some other uh, levels and institutions, it is it is a legally binding contract uh, that you will be playing for that school and that school only, unless you go through the transfer portal, which is a whole another can of worms. So um, I think for us, we kind of we get to simplify it a little bit <laughs> at our level, um, where we don't we don't worry about athletic money. Um, you know, we don't worry about. Uh, you know, kind of the legally binding commitments and that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's more, uh, I, I, I kind of say it's like faith-based, right? Like, you know, we say you're going to, the player says they're going to come and they commit and, and we, uh, you know, we have them on our, on our roster. And, and I, I like that about the Division three level, that it's really more of a, a choice each day, you know, each, each and every day that our players show up is a choice that they want to be here and that they want to participate and compete at this high level. So, right. and, and not that we're, that we're uh, supposed to dive into the financial aspect of it. Cause I know that that's not your, your area, but correct me if I'm wrong, merit money. I mean, we're, we're talking about a 25% scholarship, 50% at the D one level would be a premium offer. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're looking at merit money, merit money at the D3 level can exceed, far exceed a 25% uh, offer from a D1 level, depending on cost and so forth, in-state, out-of-state, versus out-of-state and so forth. And uh, I know that you know every liberal arts school, for the most part, has various tiers of uh, merit money depending on, on grades. So I'm- Absolutely. It is, uh, the, usually the, the sticker price that you see is not ending up what you're gonna be paying right um at the end of the day through the whole process i mean that's for us why we like to find guys with higher gpas um you know that that's a big 
big part of it for us. You know, we, we can't necessarily, uh, just have any GPA get in because, <laughs> because if we recruit any GPA, you know, we might, re- we might recruit a player and they might not get admitted to the school. And so that would, that would not be an enjoyable experience for the player, right? Where you're getting recruited by a school and then, you know, you, you don't, you're not able to get in. That does happen sometimes, but um, that's why us as coaches, we really try to stay at least 3.0 or above for us at, at our, just knowing that, that gives the player a good chance of, of getting a, a solid merit scholarship and making the finances work and, and all that. But yeah, that, that's just a, a very important part of that. Your, your GPA matters and your, your classwork matters. And um, you know, if, so just give your best effort at it, right? Even if school's not necessarily your, your thing all the time, or you struggle with it, with it, just, like I said, with the showcase and putting forth hustle and work ethic and best effort, just just do that in the classroom as well, because it does it does matter. And even if it's something that you struggle with, and the reason I say that is because my roommate really struggled with grades in in high in high school. Um, he just that's not really how his brain worked. He's he's a very smart kid, but he just struggled. And uh, but he did other things. You know, he he was a constant worker. He had so much perseverance. He was an Eagle Scout. You know, he did other things outside of of school to kind of um, develop himself and to make himself promotable. And so for Cornell, one thing that's really amazing that our admissions um, department does is we have a test optional application option. So um, while your GPA is still included in that, that's no ACT or SAT test scores. And so you can use that as an opportunity to showcase other aspects of yourself so my roommate got into cornell he had a pretty low high school gpa but he was an eagle scout and wrote you know essays about himself and um then was able to to be admitted uh i don't think he got too high of merit scholarships but he was able to be admitted and his family could work out the finances and so the reason i say all that is uh just put effort and time into baseball yes but also put it into school to the best of your ability and also put it into some of your extracurriculars you know try to be a well-rounded individual because that looks really good and and it just gives you more opportunities gives you more options you know the worst thing is to find a school that you really love that you that you feel is a great fit for you and then you know, and, and works from an athletic standpoint, and you've put in all your time to becoming a better athlete, and you're not able to attend that school because you didn't put in the same attention and focus into your into your schoolwork or into other things that uh, can develop you. So that's just a big advice and recommendation I have. And we grow, right? We grow as people with those mm-hmm. experiences, whether it's uh, you know community based uh, volunteer opportunities or so forth and experiences we know lead to understanding and lead to maturity or levels of maturity, uh, especially as these kids are growing. So I thank you. That, that's wonderful window of, of opportunity that you're providing and insight, uh, into the admissions process or a little bit of the admissions process and how people can be viewed holistically, uh, and mm-hmm. not just on papers. Thank you for that. Um, so let's go into your wheelhouse a little bit. Uh, what does a typical freshman look like on a college campus? And 
the challenges in terms of acclimating to school, the baseball schedule. I mean, just the big transition from, you know, mom and dad are no longer handing you a Gatorade. And if you forgot your water jug, I'm sure uh, John Michael and, and Coach Wing are not necessarily uh, have an extra, you know, case of Gatorades laying around. Um, right. But what, what is the, what's that like? And, yeah. Um, number one, they come in all shapes and sizes and, and from so many different backgrounds uh, and personalities. I mean, that's one of the things I absolutely adore about this line of work is I just meet all of these young men from so many different walks of life, so many different places. You know, we're, we're very fortunate at Cornell um, because of the one course at a time, which we'll, we'll plug you to go on our web, the website, <laughs> cornellcollege.edu, and, and look that up. Um, but that because of that class system, you know, we have a draw from lots of different parts of the country. So we have a very diverse school student body population in general you know and and if we're just looking at our baseball team we have players from california arizona colorado montana florida illinois iowa wisconsin uh, new york <laughs> so all all over the place you have a you have a football player from mesquite nevada that's playing on your jv team correct i think i yes, saw that correctly on your sure. roster yeah uh, okay. Yep. Just want to make certain that you know everybody out there listening heard that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, we, um, some way. And, yeah. So yeah, and that's all. All the sports, right? So all the sports are very diverse, uh, which as a coach is is so much fun because I just get to experience so many different personalities and ways of life and and all that. But as far as the the transition. Yeah, it's an adjustment. So when you're, if you're going to college or, you know, when you go to college, just be prepared for a life transition, right? Um, it is, it's a necessary, or not necessary for everybody, but it's a great next step. If that's your path that you want to pursue, it's a great next step um, before kind of the full adulthood life kicks in um, because you do have structure and you do have support, right? So while you don't have your parents there handing you a Gatorade after every game and making sure you have a Snickers bar in your back pocket, um, you do have, especially at Cornell, I can, I can especially say for Cornell and lots of schools in our conference and these small liberal arts, excuse me, small liberal arts schools, there's, there's a big support system there. Um, you know, it's smaller communities. So, it's more personalized and, and you're getting more personal attention um, versus I know at those bigger universities, it, it can be harder to find that personal attention because there's 30,000 students or something. Now, again, I'm not saying don't pursue that route if that's something you want to do. But as far as talking about our level and how our freshmen adjust, uh, I think they do a really good job because they get structure from day one, especially in the athletics programs and our baseball program. Uh, you know, we're, we have all of the families meet each other on move-in day. Um, we kind of establish those connections right away. And then we start strength and conditioning week one. You know, so nice. you're, you're having structured time to get to know, get to build a community, get to build a friendship base, uh, get to know your coaches, get to get acclimated. Um, and so, yeah, I think our freshmen do a really good job uh, they all have their own personal adjustments. Uh, just, I, I actually was fortunate enough this year to 
be a, an FYS student success instructor. So it's a first year seminar, uh, which is a class that we have all of our freshmen student body take. And it's a very, it's a, it's the same class pretty much taught by different professors. And, and it's the first class they all take, right? The first class, yeah, the first, first class, class they all take? At, at, in college. Yeah. So I was paying attention on the tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a while ago. Um, but uh, yeah, it was the first, it's the first class. And so they, uh, it's all the same, all the freshmen taking the same class. And so what I did as a student success instructor was not help them necessarily with the, I didn't teach any academic content, um, but I taught, uh, you know, adjusting to college, what that's like, you know, finding your identity, finding your groups, your uh, communities, you know, uh, stress management, mental health, uh, physical well-being, you know, all of those things. So um, one thing that I, I, I got to have individual meetings with this class that I had of, of first-year students, and um, it was it was really interesting to see their different struggles, you know, that some of them really struggle with the time management aspect because um, their parents kind of were the ones that were saying, hey, you need to be here and do this on this time and have your homework done. And they kind of set up. So some of them kind of struggle with that. Some of them struggle with building new relationships, um, maybe because they're shy or just because it's a new environment and they're nervous. Uh, some of them struggle with, um, you know, finding things to fill their time, right? What groups do I be a part of? What do I participate in? You know, so um, that was really cool for me because I, I, in my first year, I only got to work with really the baseball team mainly. And so this year I got to see perspectives from different students you know, on our campus and, and some that were athletes, some that weren't athletes. And um, so I guess I can say the biggest recommendation I have is, is find a group to be a part of, find a community. And so if we're talking obviously specifically about baseball, um, that's what's nice about joining a collegiate baseball program is you have a group right away. You have structure right away. You have resources and connections and um, that is a very, very valuable thing for the college transition because uh yeah it's new and it's scary and it's um challenging at times but it's incredibly exciting it's fun and uh you get to just yeah start your journey towards being successful in your own life and uh, taking responsibility for your own success and for your own uh life experience so that's a really really exciting thing and, and that's a beautiful thing about college in general I'm going to I'm going to plug your school for a moment just so our listeners know that <laughs> Cornell College is one of only two uh universities or colleges universities in the country that actually teach one class at a time. You take a class for 18 days, I believe, and then you get a 4-day break and move on to the next class. So everybody whose uh kids have issues with time management and uh basically trying to keep their lives in order. Uh, it's it's what a what a great way to say I'm taking a math class and that's all I've got to focus on for the next three and a half weeks. Right. So sounds like a beautiful thing. Goodness gracious. I wish I had it. <laughs> yeah. It's um, speaking from experience and uh, this this is a good time. We, we told you guys to visit the website first, but now that you're still listening to the episode, we'll give you kind of the, the rundown. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I did it. I went through the whole process and system and 
thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I just thought it was very applicable to the real world, at least now that I reflect back, um, because you know some blocks are very difficult, other blocks are easier, some blocks are medium and in between, and that's what I found in my professional life. You know, some of the times in my life are busy, busy, busy. Some of the times in my life are very relaxed, and other times are kind of in the middle. Um, I think what's wonderful about it is that all the juggling really kind of disappears um, and you can put more effort into other areas of your life, extracurricular, community-based athletics that you really care about and really feel are important to you. And you can learn from those areas because college is a, a holistic learning experience. It's not just about the academic knowledge that you gain from it. That's one aspect, but it's the life experience it's the self-awareness it's the um you know learning as far as like our athletes go and, and our baseball players learning how to be on time learning how to communicate learning how to um ask for help and support and uh you know build relationships you know all of those are very very valuable life skills and so yeah, I, I was a huge fan of the Black Plan. Um, it worked really well for me. And if you if you just are consistent and put in the time and work hard, uh, it, it can absolutely it can do wonderful, wonderful things for you. Okay. All right. And you know, we are we are collaborating on a prospect camp for next June. Uh, with my alter ego Project X, <laughs> and we're, and with the Nevada Athletics. Um, so we're going to obviously hold this camp on the campus of Cornell College. Uh, we thank you for hosting. But could you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the program's perspective? I, I know obviously our listeners have not had uh, insight into our conversations about setting this up, uh, but we're definitely looking at bringing kids from Vegas through um, the high school juniors and seniors and who are uncommitted and basically trying to showcase them to schools in your area, to yourselves, and to give them opportunities to continue to play college baseball. But um, what are the benefits to Cornell College and the other 11 schools that have currently committed to attend? I know there will be more, I believe, that are going to commit, but right now we've got 12 commitments, including yourselves. What does this do for you guys? Um, lots of lots of things. I mean, I know Coach Wing and I are very excited about this partnership and opportunity. Uh, and it, as it sounds like it, a lot of the other schools are, are as well. Um, I think our excitement really stems from getting to see players that it would be hard to see. You know, we, we see a lot of a lot of our recruiting stays local a lot of the times, you know, we, it's harder for us to do these traveling to tournaments that are on the West coast or on the East coast. And so a lot of it is, is Midwest recruiting. So we're getting exposure to some, some talented players that we would necessarily not, not be able to see otherwise or have exposure to. And, um, it's very nice that they're coming to us. I'll be completely honest, <laughs> you know, to have the players come to, come to us and then to be able to have the exposure um one like we said is a huge benefit for these players that will have 12 different schools there potentially more than that um but yeah that that's a huge advantage for us to be able to see see players we, we wouldn't have 
seen otherwise, you know, that might have slipped under the cracks and, and we may not have been able to recruit. And, and those players can become impact players in our program, uh, you know, from from a physical skill standpoint, but also from just, um, you know, just a personality standpoint. I mean, that that's really exciting for us to have the opportunity to to find some players that are, are high quality players from a different part of the country that we haven't really recruited before. So I think mm-hmm. that's very exciting for all of us. And from the, from the player standpoint where, where the schools were gracious enough to, um, to basically commit to this in such a quick process uh, for our listeners, the student athletes that attend, if schools are interested in them, they will be able to make campus visits or essentially begin that recruiting process uh, almost immediately the following day in which they're supposed to be contacted and visit that week since they're already out there and have the opportunity to visit campuses, which I'm, I'm certain as, from a player standpoint um, has to be incredible instead of waiting you know, three weeks to a month to hear from, uh, from a coach that might be interested or a couple of weeks from a coach that might be interested and then having to figure out when to set that time up. Um, right. I think I Absolutely. think that would be great for for kids to say, "Hey, look, we're we're interested." And here's your, you know, you got your phone call right away. Um, mm-hmm. That's which we talk about with showcases is sometimes that doesn't happen you know, right. when you have so many and, and you don't get that phone call and you make that whole trip. It's very discouraging. Whereas here, um, you know, if there is that interest, it's it's immediate, and um, that's another benefit for us is we get to kind of. Um, not skip steps in the process, but accelerate the, the recruiting process for us, you know, where, like I was talking about earlier, it would be reach, you know, con- initial contact through a showcase, then text messages, then phone call, then setting up campus visit, you know, then all of that, you know, this is kind of all happening in one shorter amount of time, which just is, is incredibly efficient and beneficial for us. Uh, saves us time, you know, saves us effort, saves us energy of continually um, trying to find dates that work and scheduling, you know, it just it is a much more streamlined process. So uh, and, and I'm excited. Valuable. I'm excited for the kids that go out there because I I found driving into your campus just an incredible surprise. Uh, first, I thought I was like, no idea where we are. All I see is corn. <laughs> and all, all of a sudden, we, we cross a bridge and, and a group of trees and one of the most beautiful campuses I've, I've ever seen, to be quite honest. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous campus. And not that I'm plugging, but here's the, the experience from my trip. Uh, every academic building on campus is, uh, is registered with a National Historic Society, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we're a historical landmark as campus. So all of our buildings are the original architecture and framework from when they were originally constructed, um, which is, yeah, very special, very special. Mm -hmm. So whether whether people want to go to Cornell or not, if they participate in the Cornell, uh, in the Project X Nevada Athletics Prospect Camp at Cornell College, uh, they will, they'll be in for a treat and something (laughs) beautiful and then they can begin at least to compare college campuses that right. have something to compare it to. Okay, so uh, can you give some advice to players that may possibly make the trip to Iowa this summer or to other college camps and showcases? Um, it, we talked about like, you know, the diff- how people stand out, but if they had to work on one thing, just one thing, what would you say would help them stand out? Um, is it strength? Is it speed? Is it... You know, arm strength, what, 
Yeah. Um, I would say, so I'll give two kind of answers. Um, my initial answer is what I thought about was um, attitude and mentality. Uh, that was the number one thing that, that popped into my head right away. Uh, you know, if you can if you can start to just develop some confidence in yourself, you know, some confidence in your game, some confidence in who you are as a baseball player, because every single baseball player has different skills, different things that make them good at what they do. You know, whether that's defense, whether that's, um, you know, arm strength, whether that's uh, grit, tenacity, you know, whatever that looks like, start to learn just who you are as a player, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You know? And, and I think actively work on both of those, you know, be like, okay, here's where I'm weak. So I definitely need to work on that, but here's where I'm strong. So I should find confidence in that, you know? And so starting to find confidence in yourself as a baseball player, especially as you get into your junior and senior year of high school is incredibly valuable because that, that confidence comes across, you know, we see that in, in players that, players that know what their strengths are and know where they can excel and, and boost those areas and highlight those areas and are confident in those areas, um, really stand out to us for sure. Um, so, and then as far as physical skill sets, you know, just, just obviously continue to work on the things that you're not as strong at. Okay. You want to develop those, you know, we have several months until this camp, happens and so um yeah you know arm strength is important strength strength overall is important bat speed is important right those fast twitch muscles developing those fast twitch muscles i think is the number one from a physical standpoint that um, players should start to develop we talk a lot about core strength and core strength and uh and lifting for kids that have good skill sets but you know are are not gap guys you know right yeah Yep, because they're you know if if you have you getting stronger <laughs> will only make you better. Um, I don't I don't know anybody <laughs> that has gotten stronger and has not gotten better on the baseball field. Um, obviously, it's functional baseball strength and and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I would say that yeah, like just get strong, but like swing the bat hard, throw the ball hard run fast, (laughs) run as hard as you possibly can, like put maximum effort in an intentional effort into your game, you know, into your practice, right? Don't, don't go to a practice and just go through the motions, you know, don't go to a practice and just, you know, try to hit a ball perfectly every, every time, you know, like just swing the bat hard, you know, and, and I just, that's a big, I'm a huge proponent of that because if, if players can swing the bat hard, if they can run with maximum effort, if they can throw the ball hard, like, and, and when I say, when I mean hard, I'm not talking about velocity. I'm talking about effort, right? I'm talking about intention. Um, that is going to only make them better as they go along. Uh, I think that players growth gets stunted when they try to be perfect. You know, when they try to do every little thing perfectly, because you're just not going to be perfect. The game is is a game of failure. Mm-hmm. So um, trying to be perfect, in my opinion, personally, is counterintuitive. Um, you should 
enjoy what you're doing. <laughs> you, you, you ended up playing this game because you love it and because it's fun. And that's why you want to continue playing in college, I hope, is because you love to play the game. So don't forget that. Don't lose that. When you show up, enjoy practice and just know that that um, it's okay to feel that pressure of having to perform. It's okay. That's very natural and that's very normal. But uh, if you can just do your best and have fun doing it, you're going to, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. Um, Cause all the players I know that are going to, that are coming, you know, have, have physical skills. They have, you, most players do. I don't, I don't think there's really a lot of players out there that it's like, Oh man, he really has no physical skills whatsoever. Right. If you've been playing the game for a little bit since you've been a kid or, or even just in middle school, like, you know how to play baseball. You know how to play baseball. It's hard to survive the cuts that, that happen in, in club and high school and so forth and still be a 16, 17-year-old kid playing the game if you can't play it, right? If yeah. you don't have something to offer. So I, yeah. I, I totally understand. I think that's wonderful advice. It's great. Uh, is there anything, you know, for the sake of our listeners that I have not asked uh, that, that you may want to share that kind of helps fill in the gaps? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... I think one, I just want to say, Mo, thank you for this. I mean, it's been an incredible experience to be a part of this. And um, the questions were wonderful. They were wonderful. They were very prompting and well thought out. Uh, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed answering them. The last piece of advice that I can give is no matter what happens externally, okay? somebody telling you that you're not good enough getting cut from a high school team or from a club team, not performing well in a game, not getting reached out to by college coaches, stay strong in what you want and what you care about. And don't give up. You know, like if you, if you want to play college baseball, there is a way. It's not going to be maybe all the perfect situation that you idealized in your head since you were four years old or that your parents thought for you. But if you want to do that, if you want to continue to play at the collegiate level, work for it, (laughs) work for it, grind it out, just go get it, be tenacious. And don't, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do anything because they don't know you, you know, you know yourself. That's great. And, um, yeah, because if I and 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 if you're fortunate enough, like me, if you're blessed enough to have a good family support system, um, lean on them. You know, lean on them. And uh, I, I can thoroughly say, and, and I'll share this episode with my mom. But I would have not played college baseball without my mom. Um, when I was told that I would never play college baseball, and that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't big enough, I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't fast enough. Um, my mom told me that, that, that not to listen to that. <laughs> you know, She said, Johnny, you can do whatever you want to do. She's like, you want to play? You go play. And um, I, just worked, I just worked really hard. So all those kids that are small and um, you know, maybe don't throw the hardest or don't run the fastest or don't you know, just do every, aren't in that 90th percentile. Um, 
you have a lot of value and you can bring a lot of value to a program and to a college. Um, and, and I was, I was in those shoes and all I did was I just worked hard for what I wanted. Uh, I got the opportunity to play collegiately, um, was fortunate enough to, to be a part of a championship caliber team. And, uh, now I'm a college baseball coach. So <laughs> it's, uh, it real stories like that exist everywhere. Incredible so don't, journey. Don't give up. Incredible. And, and that's, that's excellent. I'm not going to let you get away without sharing uh, your accolades because I, <laughs> I, I, I can't because you know what? All those kids that heard that, I don't want them to think that, oh, I, I just got a jersey. I, I was small and someplace took me and, you know, like, like it's a pity thing. <laughs> to, to, it's not, right? You worked, you worked yeah. your butt off in high school. You were, you were part of a state championship team and right. you worked hard enough to be good enough to go play at the collegiate level, and I believe you are the all-time hits leader at Cornell College? No, or uh, not me, but I, I do have the most put-outs in a season as a defensive player. There you go. Um, I have the most at-bats in a season. <laughs> not used to rattling off my own stats, but um, yeah, I, I was in high school. Um, I was originally, I was my senior year, I started on the bench, um, and just kept working and kept asking my coaches for advice and help and what I needed to do to improve. And uh, by the middle of the year, I was our starting second baseman. And then in our state playoffs, um, during our run to our first championship in, um, in school history, uh, I, I had a, a 431 batting average with two outs and runners in scoring position. Um, and I had a thousand fielding percentage. Wow. So, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> in that type of environment yeah. with that pressure on the line. So I knew yeah. there was something big with it, with the hitting aspect of, from our conversations, yeah. I recall. But, yeah. but, uh, yeah. but then you were a, st- a standout defender and that got you on the field at the college level. And you, yep. so, and the most, I, at, um, most at bats. I mean, that's, that means yeah. you were there. You were in there. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I was I was technically a four-year varsity starter. I mean, my freshman year, I didn't start all the time, but I got spot starts on varsity. And then um, I went from my arm strength developed all the way from, I think, probably coming out of high school, I was like 78 across the diamond, and I got all the way up to 89. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I... I hit for the first half of our season, my junior year, I hit 421. Um, and yeah, I, um, it, I, I can, I, I 100% attribute that to, 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 to God first and foremost, that's, that's me and my, my personal beliefs and in, in Christ, but, um, also just, you know, just, just working for it and caring about it. And, um, asking for help, you know, I didn't do that alone. I had a huge support system, my family, my coaching staff, my friends, my teammates. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I I am very blessed to be where I'm at. And, um, yeah, (laughs) thanks for, uh, thanks Mo for prompting me. Sorry. I I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable, but you know what? You're a testament to hard work meets opportunity, right? And, and you created those opportunities. And, and if you're the example for kids out there that, you know, you were saying might have been undersized or, or whatever it is, that there's a place out there for everybody. And, and I know that you believe that and you know that. Um, and so do we. 
So it's, uh, we want to get them there. We don't want them to give up on their dream. They just have to stop thinking that it's going to be on the beach of sunny California or something like that. Yeah, you might be in the cornfields of Iowa where yeah. it's, you know, snowing and, I don't know, probably 14 degrees today. But, uh, I, <laughs> but it's a good place to be. Absolutely. It's or I tell people it's, the, it's, it's that winter league in Alaska that you've got to be a part of. Right, right, right. Oh, my gosh. So, well, John Michael, I really appreciate you joining us tonight on deck, and uh, no doubt all our listeners, thank you for such an in-depth insight into the recruiting process. Uh, to our listeners, the Nevada Athletics is hosting a College 101 seminar this Friday evening at their facility at 2560 West Brooks Avenue in North Las Vegas, uh, where I will actually be presenting an overview of the college search as it pertains to baseball, uh, grades, and metrics that appear to be uh, recruited at the various levels from NAIA through the Division I. I hope you can join us on Friday. And if you're interested, uh, please send an email to ondeckwithcoachmo at gmail.com. Thanks again, John Michael. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Mo. Have a great night, guys.